The focus of the Mishnah has now moved from what one is or not allowed to do in a field during Shemitah, and the main focus of the next few parakim is the actual Shemitah produce itself, and what you're allowed to do with it. And the Pesach says that la'ochla, it's for you to eat, which implies that you cannot just waste Shemitah produce, and included in wasting it is eating it when it is not ripe. So in general, before produce is ripe, it's forbidden to eat it. However, there are a few types of produce where it was customary to eat it even before it was ripe, but only in the field. When somebody was, you know, working with the produce in the field, so he would eat those species, though that produce, even before it was fully ripe. And because of that, during Schmitter, it would be permitted to eat those species at that stage, but only in the field. So we already mentioned the figs and grapes, and now the Mishnah goes on to Zaysim olives. With regards to olives, Mashiach Nisa reveals Lassa'ah, from the stage that they can produce a quarter of a leg of oil per sa'ah of grapes. A sa'ah is 24 leg, so if they're producing a quarter of a leg per sa'ah, that means that 196th of the olives will be oil. So that's quite an early stage of the ripening. But already from that stage, one is allowed to crush open the grape, sorry, crush open the olive and eat it in the field, because that was the normal thing to do. And they would crush it open because it was quite bitter at that stage. But if they crushed it open, it wouldn't be so bitter. So since that was the normal thing to do in general, you could do that during Schmitter as well. It's not considered wasting it. It is considered the normal eating. And the next stage of its ripening was when Hechnisu Chatsi Loig, when it produced half a loig of oil, so then, you could crush it and use the oil to rub on your body, because at that stage, the oil was fit to be used on one's body, and therefore you could do that during Shemitah as well. It's not, con- it's not considered wasting it. We learn elsewhere that rubbing something on your body is considered like drinking it, it's still considered consuming it, and therefore it's permitted. Now, this either means once the olive has reached a third of what its final growth will be, or it means once it produces a third of the oil which it will end up producing. Meaning if, for example, once this olive is fully matured, it will be a certain size, or it will produce a certain amount of oil. So at the stage when it produces a third of that amount, or when it's a third of that size, then you could crush it in the field and bring it into your house. The truth is you could crush it in your house as well. It was just more common to crush it in the field, but the point is that is considered the beginning of the full ripeness of the olive, and therefore from that stage onwards you could use it, you could eat it anywhere. And at a similar stage, at that same stage in the rest of the years of Shemitah, it will be obligated in the gifts for the Khan and the Levim and the poor people. At the stage where it's a third of its growth, that's when it becomes obligated in those gifts. So we've listed three different types of produce, figs, grapes, and olives, and those things, even before they were fully ripe, they were eaten in the field. So you said there were different stages of their growth, but when it comes to a sha'ar called ilan, with regards to the rest of all the fruit of a tree, they are only eaten when they are fully ripe, or at least at the beginning of that stage. There's not a different stage for in the field and in the house, and therefore, whatever their season, whatever their time is with regards to maestras, that they become obligated for the gifts, that is the same time that they can be eaten during Shemitah, so it would only be this later stage at the beginning of the full ripeness of that particular produce that you would be allowed to eat those other types of produce during Shemitah.
Mishnah Yud, there's a general prohibition, and this applies even outside of Shemitah, and that is to cut down a fruit tree. This is the source for Baltashchis, one is not allowed to destroy a fruit tree. But there's one big exception to this halacha, and that is that if the tree is more valuable for its wood than its fruit, meaning that the main value and the main purpose of this tree is for the wood of the tree as opposed to the fruit. In such a case, you are allowed to cut down the tree, because since its primary purpose is not the fruit, we don't view it as destroying the fruit tree. Rather, you're using what it was meant for. Now, that's on a regular year, but during Shemitah, even a tree whose primary purpose is for the wood cannot just be cut down. Because, of course, by cutting down the tree, you're destroying the fruit, and you're not allowed to waste fruit of Shemitah. So the Mishnah asks, From what point may one not cut down a tree during Shemitah? Meaning, when are the fruit on a tree considered to have grown significantly enough for this to be considered a fruit tree? And for the fruit to have the sanctity of Peres Shavias, of Shemitah produce. So Beisham and Beisham I say, Kol For every tree, this stage is from when they produce, and there's a machloikas as to how to interpret this. Either it means from when they produce leaves, or it means from when they produce fruit. So it's an early stage of the de- development of the fruit, but from that stage, these fruit already have the sanctity of Peres Shavias. And Basil will agree, however, Basil will say there are three exceptions. Basil and Basil will say, Carobs, they gain this sanctity from when they become heavy and they droop down, and vines once they produce seeds, olive trees once the olives produce blossoms. So those three are exceptions, but when it comes to every other tree, as soon as they have produced either fruit or leaves, those fruit gain the sanctity of Peres and therefore the tree cannot be cut down. So does that mean that one can never cut down a tree during Shemitah? No, because as soon as the fruit are ripe, you can take the fruit off the tree, because you can now eat those fruit. Otherwise, as we learned before, you're not allowed to pick fruit which aren't ripe. But once they've ripened, you can pick them off, and then you can t- cut down the tree. So the Mishnah says that v'chol ha'ilon, every tree kiven shebola inas once it reaches the season when they become obligated in the tithes, and that, as we learned in the previous Mishnah, is when they're ripe, so then you can cut down the fruit, and after that, mutalakotsutsai is permitted to cut down the tree, because the tree will no longer have the fruit on the tree, so you're not destroying the fruit by cutting down the tree. Now, the Mishnah adds at the end of this Mishnah one more halacha to do with this general prohibition of baltashres, of destroying a fruit tree in any year, not just Shemitah, and the halacha is that once a tree is so old, that it stops producing very many fruit, then it becomes permitted to cut down that tree. It's no longer considered wasting it. So the Mishnah asks, How much does an olive tree need to produce to be considered enough that you cannot cut it down yet? Meaning it's not considered old enough, it's still producing. What is that amount? The answer is, Reva, a quarter of a cove of olives, even though that's a tiny amount, and when it comes to other trees, that amount would not be considered a significant amount. When it comes to olive trees, however, because olives are considered such a significant fruit, and an important fruit for the oil, so even a quarter of a cup is considered significant, and therefore if, if it produces still a quarter of a cup of olives, then you cannot yet cut down that tree. It's not considered old enough. However, Gamliel says, azayis, it always depends on the particular type of olive tree. And what Rabbi Shimon Gamliel is saying, as though we look at it relative to what it used to produce. So if this tree, let's say, used to produce many, many calves of olives, 
and now it only produces, let's say, two or three calves. So relative to what it used to produce, that's nothing. And therefore, even at that point, you would be able to cut down the tree. Perek hey, the first three Mishnahs of this Perek discuss halachos which apply to very specific types of fruit. And the first Mishnah talks about a specific type of fig, and that is benois shuach, which are a type of white fig. And the special characteristic about these white figs is that they take a very long time to ripen. In fact, from the time that the bud starts to come out and the fruit begin to form until they become ripe actually takes three years. Now that presents a problem, because if the fruit form during Shemitah, that means that they gain the status of Peris Shavias, and they've got the sanctity of those Peris Shavias, but by the time they ripen, it's no longer Shemitah. So the Mishnah says that indeed Shavias Shalahen Shaniyah, their Shemitah, is actually in the second year of the Shemitah cycle, which is two years after Shemitah. And what the Mishnah means is that any of the fruit which began to form during the Shemitah year, you should make a sign on them, like tie a ribbon on them, so that you know that they grew during Shemitah. And once they've ripened and you take them off the tree, which will be three years later or in the second year of the Shemitah cycle, then you need to treat those as you would treat Peris Shavias. Because these are considered perishavias because they started to form during the Shemitah year. Shehein Isis and Shalishanim because they take three years to ripen. Now Rabbi Yehuda adds, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Haparisiois, this is another type of fig which is usually grown in a place called Poras, but some of these figs were also grown in Eretz Yisrael and therefore Shemitah would apply to them. When it comes to these figs, these take two years to fully ripen, and therefore you've got to treat the fruit which you pick off the tree in the year after Shemitah, as Shemitah produce, Shavir Shalahem B'Mitzoy Shavir's, their so-called Shemitah occurs in Motzi Shavir's, the year following Shemitah, Shehein Oseh Slishtesh on him because they take two years to ripen, but Omrelo the Chachom said back to Rabbi Yehuda, Omrelo B'nei Shuach, they only said this halacha, that you've got to treat fruit as Shemitah produce, even if it didn't actually come off the tree during Shemitah, they only said that with regards to the white figs, but not with the parasites. And the truth is, there's not really an argument here, because the Chachon are referring to a location where these parasites figs actually only took one year to grow and to ripen, and therefore they even came off the tree during Shemitah, whereas Rabbi Yehuda was talking about a place where they took two years, but fundamentally there is not really an argument over here. Mishnah Base. This Mishnah and the ones following it discuss a vegetable called a luf. And a luf, according to most people, is some sort of onion, and it was common to store these onions in the ground. Now, if somebody is going to put these onions in the ground during Shemitah, we're worried that it may look like he is planting them, which of course is forbidden during Shemitah. So the Mishnah says that Hatominus aluf bashavias, one who hides, one who buries the luf, these onions in the ground during Shemitah, he's got to take certain measures to ensure that it is clear that he is not planting them. So Rabbi Meir, Omer Rabbi Meir says, He cannot bury less than two so'ah of, of luf, which when piled up have to reach a height of three t'fachim at least. So if you're putting so many of them in such a small place, it's clear that they're not, they're not being planted, otherwise you wouldn't put them so crowded together. And if you also put a tefach, of earth on top of the onions, you wouldn't do that if you were planting them, and therefore this is another thing which shows that you are not planting them. Now, two so'ah is the same as 12 kav. So, contrary mayor, you have to put at least 12 kav of the onions in the ground, otherwise it might appear as if you are planting them. However, the chachom say, you don't need 12 kav, 
you can't have less than four kav. And they don't need to pile up to three tefachim, rather al geva tefach. They only need to pile up to a height of one tefach. But the Chachom agree that with tefach of al gabov, you do need to put a tefach of earth on top of these onions, which was not done when you would plant them, and therefore it shows that you are not planting them. And the Mishnah ends off by telling us something which Rabbi Meir and the Chachom agree upon, and that is, he needs to put them into the ground in a place where they'll be trampled by people. Meaning he has to put it somewhere where people walk often, because if, if people walk over it, then there's no chance of leaves or shoots sprouting up from these onions. Often if they would bury the onions in the ground, even if they're not planted there, it would still cause shoots and leaves to sprout from that ground. However, if people are trampling over it the whole time, then that will not occur. So both according to Rebimeir and Chachomim, one needs to put these in somewhere where people will trample it, so that no shoots do come out, because if shoots would come out of the ground over there, then it would appear as if the onions are planted there.